Amen. Well, last week I titled the message, Possessing Your Possessions. When God gives you something, it doesn't necessarily mean you have it because we need to receive it and to own it. Like a gold mine requires some activity moving forward. And let's look at verse one. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. The king and the mighty men of valor. Stop right there, eyes up here. There's two contrasting truths in verses one and two. No one's going into Jericho, no one's coming out. You can't get in, you can't even get out. Nobody can take it. Verse two, God says, did you see it? I gave it to you. Jericho, the walls, the king and the mighty men of valor. Because God declares in his word and in his community, and he declares in his economy those things that are not yet as if they are. That's the power of God's word. God's word will tell you, show you, and direct you in the things that he has led you to. But check this out. Did you know that the enemy will try and God-proof and barricade you and ministries and me from moving forward into the things that God's provided for us? You ever tried to God-proof something where you just kind of keep God out of that situation? The enemy will try and do this all the time. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, there's a few stories where Peter's arrested, and, and one time Paul's arrested, and they put up all these guards outside. Sometimes there's 16 guards by King Herod to keep God from getting in and to keep these guys from getting out. You know what happens? The guys get out and God gets in. You can't stop God from his plans. You can't stop God from his ways. You can't stop God from the direction that he brings to you. And this is good news because if you're on mission right now, the enemy's going to try and stop you. And you're going to be aware of the king and the walls and the mighty men of valor and the difficulties and the distractions that come your way. And last week we talked about this at length. And let's do this from now on. When you're tested, instead of complaining, instead of tapping out, instead of rolling over, instead of crying, what if we just reacted by saying it this way? Yeah, I should expect to be tested. I should expect my Christianity to be tested and to be forged because my faith is more precious to God than gold that perishes by fire. And so instead of just thinking, why is it so hard for me? Or why are these difficulties happening? Saying, what has God spoken over me? Because his word is timeless and it does not change even when your situations do. Now, here's the deal though. When God's word comes our way and speaks the truth, you and I have a challenge. We can't be hearers of the word only. We have to be doers. His His word is so exhaustive. Have you read this book? It's so good. It's the first printed book in the entire universe. It's the most printed book in the entire universe. It's the most read book in the entire universe. It's the most gifted book in the entire universe. It's the most shoplifted book in the entire universe. It is the most, the most argued about and criticized book in the universe, and it is the book that changes lives. And when God's word says it, and I believe it, that settles it, this is when we begin to live our Christian journey differently than everyone else. That doesn't mean you won't be attacked doesn't mean it won't be hard. What are you going to do? You have to obey God's word. And God does this. Notice in verse one, he says that it's shut up, but he's also given it to them. He says, I've given you. God's word declares the truth to us. And it says in verse five, just kind of jump down. It says, it shall come to pass. This is God's word. When they make a long blast, it goes on in verse five. And it says, the wall of the city will fall down flat. And in verse five, it says, and the people shall go up every man straight before them. Stop right there, eyes up here. God's word declares to Joshua, see it, I've given it to you. Just take courage. 
And, and when you go up and shout, the walls will. The walls haven't come down yet, but the walls will. And the people will go up. The people hadn't gone up yet. God's declaration is of future events that will happen that will not be stopped. This makes me happy. These are the promises of God. This is what God has said for us to believe in and to take courage and strength. You remember in chapter one when God was talking to Joshua and he told him more than once, maybe thrice, maybe four times, only be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for I am with you. Only be strong and courageous. And he reminded him over and over, knowing he was going to face battles, he was going to face situations. And let me just remind you again, we love teaching the word of God here at South Beach Church. We're a Calvary Chapel Church. We just love God's word. We don't edit God's word. We let God's word edit us. We let God's word be true. And every man a liar, Book of Romans tells us that. It's all about God's word. And yet God's word has commandments and directives for you and I. Aren't, aren't you kind of picky when it comes to God's word? God's word? He says to do certain things like, amen, he's for me. And he says, I want you to pray for your enemies. He's like, I ain't doing that. I want you to forgive people freely as you've been forgiven. Eh, I'm not doing that. I want you to serve and not be served. I'm not doing that. We just were kind of picky. It's like going to a salad bar. You don't get everything in the salad bar. And yet God's word says, no, it's all true. And I want to encourage you, maybe there's certain areas in your life right now where you're not victorious, just take it to the Lord. Maybe there's certain areas in your life right now where you're not victorious, the walls haven't come down. You're not going in and taking over the city because there's things that God's shown you in his word spoken clearly where you haven't believed or acted on his words. You've done other things. You're a believer. You're saved. You're even spirit-filled, but you're challenged right now. Do I really want to trust the Lord with this? When you trust the Lord with the things he's asked you to do, he does for you what you'll never be able to do for yourself. This is why it's important to read God's word every single day and to obey. There's no other way to be happy in Christ Jesus except to read and to obey. And he said it, I believe it, that settles it. Look at verse six. It says, then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests, said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. And verse seven, he said to the people, proceed. And Joshua went right into action and motion, telling the people what God had just told him. And I believe that he did this. He acted obediently, listen, because he believed completely. We won't necessarily be completely obedient unless we're completely believing what God has said. And we see his complete obedience because Joshua believed it. Now, Joshua had been with the Lord for 40 years with Moses. He'd seen the miracles. He'd seen Moses' faithfulness. He'd seen the unfaithfulness of the people. And when God said something clear to Joshua, he's like, let's do it. Let's get after it because I want this to work in my life. I don't want to be disciplined any longer as we have his obedience. And I would just say it this way. Your lack of obedience really is due to a lack of belief. Now, some of you in here are more religious than you wish to confess, and that's offensive to you. I believe, I believe everything the Bible says, I believe, I believe. Well, where's the obedience in this area? Well, that's between me and the Lord. That's between me and the Lord. Your obedience is directly connected to your belief of what God has said, because your belief determines your behavior every single time. And there are moments in your life, moments in my life, maybe just a little bit of time, maybe a week or month, or God forbid, a year, where you just believe something silly. You believe something silly, so you start, your belief determines behavior, and if you believe what God has said, your behavior is gonna be indicative of what you believe. It's gonna be evidence, and Joshua gets right to work, tells people what's going on. Look at verse eight. 
It says, so it was. When Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Verse nine, and the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Stop right there, eyes up here. Verses seven and verses nine both say that the armed men lead and then the seven priests with the seven trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant are in the middle. And then another armed guard behind will bring up the end. And this is kind of the camp, kind of the train that goes around. Twice it is evidence that it's the men with the swords, the armed men that lead. And let me just make an application. Because every Old Testament picture is a New Testament principle. These men who were leading who were armed were armed with swords. And the scriptures speak to us, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And the way that this group was to be led again as I've been laboring thus far this morning is to be led by the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And when you're going through battles, when you're going through challenges, when you're going through situations that are too big for you, the only way to lead your life, your spouse's life, your kid's life, your church's life, your community's life, the only way is by God's word. It's the only light we have, amen? It's the only light we have. And if you're battling right now or challenged or going through situations. Can I tell you, you cannot win. You will not overcome without leading with God's word. And if you're being tested right now, you know what you need? More of God's word, not less. More of God's word. The first thing to go in your battle, the first thing to go in your difficulty and testing and temptation is your time in God's word. I guarantee you. Because this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. It's been said before that a Bible that's falling apart usually implies a life that is not. Can I just exhort you and encourage you? Man, from time to time, the enemy, it's so sneaky how sneaky he is with me. I'll just put myself out there a little vulnerable. I'll bring my Bible with me to my chair and sit down, but I'll also bring my silly little phone. You have one of these silly little phones? They should, it shouldn't be a smartphone. It should be called a silly little phone. That's what it should be. There's nothing smart about it. And I'll find myself, well, before I read my Bible, I'll just check, you know, a couple accounts and ch check a couple, you know, weather things and check it. And all of a sudden, 16 days goes by. <laughs> and I, you know, has this happened to you ever? And I'm telling you what, you have to hide God's word in your heart. You got to make time for it. Set yourself apart. Disciplines. Disciplines. Discipline. Discipline yourself. Well, the guys who were leading this were the ones who carried the swords and this is how you're going to find yourself battling. As a matter of fact, there's so many stories in the scriptures about the scriptures. The longest chapter in the entire Bible is Psalm 119. And it's a chapter about the Bible. It's 176 verses long. And every single verse, 176 of them, is about God's word and God's precepts and God's commandments and God's law and God's light. Every single word. And when the word of God goes in your life, everything else will follow. And when the word of God is added in your life, everything will grow. There's this story in the Old Testament of King Josiah. He's a young king. And he decides to clean out the temple one day. And they're cleaning out the temple. I don't even know how this happened. As they're cleaning out the temple, one of the guys finds a copy of the Bible. They're like, hey, King Josiah, we found a copy of the Bible. Isn't that crazy? He's like, well, read it to me. And he starts reading it to Josiah. And Josiah begins to weep. And he reads it to the people. And it begins one of five noted revivals in the nation of Israel. If you want revival in your life, if you want victory in your life, it is not gonna come apart from God's word, period. So maybe that's the simplest thing you need to do right now. Just get back in the word. Five by five reading program. We're starting in January pretty soon. If you've been off your train, off the rocker, whatever, get back in the reading program with us and put that word away. Well, we see here, moving on, 
it says in verse 9 that the armed men led. Look at verse 10. We ended here last week. Okay? I'm kind of talking fast because I want to kind of get there where we began last week. It says, now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, and then you shall shout. Now, we see here instructions are further given. Guys, we're going to march around six times and we're not going to say a word. And on the seventh day, we're going to march around seven times, and then we're going to finally shout. And when we shout, the walls will fall down. We'll go up and we'll take over. That's the battle plan. That's what's happening. I don't want to make too much of it, but it is interesting that this was one of the specific key components to the battle plan. While we're walking, just zip your lip. Don't say anything. Now, if you read this lightly, you're thinking, well, that's kind of regal. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, imagine guys marching all around, like just no voices. Man, it's very respectful. Or was it more strategic in nature? Was this a command from God to Joshua, or was this Joshua's command to the people? Did he say to the people, hey, while we're doing this, the temptation for you to talk, the temptation for you to murmur, to complain, to wonder, to second guess is going to be very real. How did Joshua know this? He'd been with the children of Israel for over 40 years. And he'd seen every battle and every walking and every exercise and he'd seen the murmuring and he'd seen the ground open up and swallow Kadesh and burning. He'd seen people die. He'd seen the judgment of God. He's like, hey guys, this is my first turn to lead. I got an idea. We're gonna play the quiet game. Okay, we're gonna, you ever play the quiet game with your kids? It's so fun, you know? The person who's the quietest gets a dollar and you go on a road trip and nobody talks. It's genius, okay? You new parents out there, do it. It's genius. Quiet those kids up. So people don't freak out. And Joshua says, we're going to play the quiet game. Now, because he knew the proclivity and tendency of the tongue, because he knew the power of life and death is in the tongue, and because he knew the battle was not going to be easy, every single day, can you imagine walking up? Can you imagine when Joshua just gave him the plan, the battle plan? All right, guys, I just talked to God. Get ready. It's going to be it. They're sharpening their swords. Like, well, bring the sword, but it's it's not going to go that way, okay? Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. We're going to walk around the city one time, and that's it. And then the next day, no, okay, next day, there's another day. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it again. And that's it. It's not that big. It's not going to take like 45 minutes. We're going to walk around the city. And we're going to keep doing it every day this whole week. And then on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day, by the way, this is a day of non-work. This would be like, what did you say? What did you say, bro? Then we're going to walk around once, twice, thrice, four, five, six. And on the seventh time, we're all going to shout. And the, <laughs> you're going to love this part. And the walls are going to just fall down. And we're all going to go in. It's going to be like a sale at Old Navy. It's going to be legit. Everything's free. Any questions? Yeah, I got some questions. I got a lot of questions. And he said, okay, how about you just keep them to yourself? <laughs> what? How about you just don't talk? Now, let me just, I don't want to make too much of this, and I don't want you to get offended unnecessarily. Let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever said something in a moment of testing or difficulty that you wish you wouldn't have said? Have you ever gone outside of, Maybe where God would have you as a man or woman of God in, the, in your speech and, and in the way you've held yourself. Have you ever regretted something that you've sent to somebody? Because now it's not just speech, now, now it's texting. Messaging, posting, you do all kinds of, it's so quick. Text and post and respond and reply. And how many times have you said, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have just trusted the process. I wish I would have just hidden his word in my heart. Now, at the risk of spending time, 
I want to read to you out of James. James chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen above you. In James chapter 3, James is Jesus' little brother. And James is not necessarily my favorite book, and I was thinking that through. Why isn't James my favorite book? Because James is kind of like Liam Neeson wrote it, and it's kind of like a series of throat punches. They're all true, and they're all good. And in James 3, I don't know if James, the leader of the church, was looking at the church saying, what are you guys doing? Because he's the leader, and he sees all these little schisms and isms and all these issues And so James says something powerful in chapter three. I'm gonna read to you the entirety of James chapter three. It's all about the tongue. It's all about what we say and how we're supposed to say it. Now, we live in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. It's amazing, right? Powerful. We have what's called the the freedom of speech. You ever heard of that before? We we can say whatever we want. (laughs) Careful, careful. You better be taking God's word in before any words come out because we are so cavalier and disrespectful and prideful and I promise you, God's word hasn't changed over cultures and generations. He says, oh, that's my bros in America. It's okay. And when you say or when I say something that's disrespectful to another person, careful. God hears all those words. In cultures past, did you know that if you spoke bad about the government, even cultures present in certain countries, if you spoke bad about the government, you'd be killed. And now we have the freedom of speech. We can say whatever we want. We can do this. And, and the level of respect. I just challenge you. You're allowed to have your opinions. You're allowed to be right and identify that other people are wrong. Doesn't mean you need to say anything about it. Let's just read real quick. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. Thank you, James. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature, mature man able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, and they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. What? For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the image and the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. Finally, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. It's gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Stop right there, eyes up here. I take the time this morning to challenge each one of us. As a matter of fact, a couple days ago I was considering my job it starts out in verse one. Let not many of you seek to be teachers. 
speaking of teaching the word, because you're going to have a stricter judgment. God will hold you accountable. The devil will judge you differently. The world will judge you differently. You'll judge yourself differently. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing to know God's word and to share God's word. We've all had the responsibility as priests in his kingdom to do this. But just this week I was praying, I was like, Lord, would you forgive me for some of the things I've said? And would you help me? I, I got kind of excited about it. Because I get excited about Sundays. I get a chance to preach God's word to you. And just it's, a, it's an anointed, powerful time. And yet there's the other days of the week where I kind of just do what I do. And I was praying, I was like, Lord, would you let every time I open my mouth be powerful? Would you let every time, and I begin to pray that with my wife, with my kids, with my friends, help me to tame my tongue. Help me to use my tongue, Lord, for the power of God. Every time I open my mouth, let it be, Lord, always for good, for your glory and for others' good. Wouldn't it be radical if we as a believing nation and as a church here in Lincoln County said, yeah, we've got the freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. I've got some phrases in my mind I was gonna share. I don't wanna, that, that we use freely, that are offensive, condescending, judgmental, prideful, envious, boastful. Where do wars and rivalries and difficulties come. And here James, Jesus' little brother, leading the church, says, guys, please, be careful. And Joshua, before he goes into battle, says, guys, it's gonna be tough, man. It's not gonna be easy. Every day is gonna be a little difficult. Can I just encourage you to let that little white picket fence do its job? Keep that tongue inside. Some of you, it's not white, it's yellow. That's okay, you know. Keep that tongue back and may the Lord give us not the ability just to zip it, but to use our words for good. The power of life and death. Let's just pray that in real quick. Father, James was the one who said, don't be hearers only, but be doers. And I repent of every time I've tried to be funny, every time I've tried to be strong in my own image and maybe even cut someone else down that's not there. Or say something cavalier, off color, in Jesus' name. Lord, we justify it so quickly. Hey, it's not that bad. It's a, it's a street, you know, understanding. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you help South Beach Church to be men and women that only use our tongue for good, that truly step into that anointing that the word of God is alive and living. Help us, Lord, not to start fires, but to put them out to be peacemakers. We ask, Lord, for Holy Spirit anointing and conviction to do so. Change us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, he simply says, don't talk, let your mouths be shut. Look at verse 11. It says, so they had the ark of the Lord circled the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and they lodged in the camp. This is day one. Can you imagine day one going around the city? And that, it doesn't say, by the way, I imagine, it doesn't give us, we just have to use your imagination. It doesn't say that once they get back, they can talk now. It just says, don't talk at all during these seven days. I would imagine it's only when marching around Jericho, but what if it was also enforced when they're back at the camp? I don't know. You can use your imagination however you want. But day one is they marched around and now they're back. What are we gonna do? Look at verse 12. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. Good things, by the way, happen early in the morning. Okay, early in the morning. I don't ever wanna gloss over that. Last night I went to bed. I don't use an alarm. And I said, Lord, would you wake me up early? Would you wake me up about 5 a.m.? I need to get up at 5. I just feel like that's a good time for what I need to get done before this Sunday. And I had a dream at, about getting up at 5. I'm dreaming about getting up at 5. And so I decide in my dream to check what time it was. And it was 5.05. And I was like, okay, that's good enough. So I got up. It was crazy, you know. And I said, Lord, just get me up early. And I didn't, I don't want to get up at 5. I want to stay in bed. But here, early in the morning, 
He gets up before dawn. We'll see that in just a minute. Verse 13. And then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. First day. Can you imagine getting back to camp? Let's say they could talk. And they're like, man, that was crazy. The walls are so big. Man, I saw some people sneaking out. I saw people with spears. And I saw some people with buckets of tar. And what did you see? And oh my gosh. And, and then the second day, would, they, what would, would it get worse or better upon the days? Would each day build up into this final climax of victory? Or would they find themselves faced with second guessing and exhaustion? You tell me, how's your Christian journey looking? you give your life to the Lord at summer camp or you step forward in ministry or marriage let's do this and you go around for one year two years and man it's, it's going to take some things for you to continue faithfully in your mission in your ministry in your marriage and in your commitment to Jesus okay number one it's going to take courage no matter what because the enemy's not fake there are real battles going on there's every opportunity you can find every opportunity in the whole entire world to be afraid right now what if this happens? What if that happens? What if they do this? What if they go there? What if, what if, what if? Who cares? Don't be discouraged. The opposite of being encouraged is discouraged. And he was commanded not once, twice, three times. Be courageous. Oh, because it's gonna be easy and they're never gonna come out? No, I didn't say that. They're bad guys. It's big time. But I do not want you to be afraid. Be courageous. Wouldn't that be awesome if every Christian was just courageous? just trusting the Lord. Not just courageous, but we need an endurance. This would have taken energy. This would have taken commitment to keep moving forward. And if you think staying clean and off drugs, if you think staying sober and off alcohol, if you think staying pure and off the things you shouldn't be doing wrong, if you think staying soft to the Lord, and if you think staying the course, if you think staying right is going to be easy, you're wrong. It's going to take some endurance. It's going to take some endurance. Don't you just wish it was easy? I use gardening all the time as an illustration. Gardening should be so easy. But when you garden, weeds get planted right by all your fruit and animals come in and eat and all kinds of issues. And to grow fruit takes endurance and it takes purpose. Not only that, but you need, if you're gonna continue like these guys did, you're gonna need that courage, endurance, but also patience. Patience is kind of fun, huh? Where you just don't blow it. You don't get uptight. You don't get weird. You don't spaz out and tap out when things get difficult. You just keep long obedience in the same direction. And can I just encourage you in your marriage, in your ministry, in your maturation with Jesus right now, just keep going. Just keep going. Don't worry about all the things that are happening around you. Just have that method of going forward. Look at verse 15. It says, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day again, very early, and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. And on that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened. When the priest blew the trumpets that the that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now stop right there, eyes up here. He goes on and gives them three or four more instructions, verses 17 and 18. But essentially on the seventh day, he said, shout, let's go. Now the walls were still intact, correct? They were still there. Wouldn't you want after the seventh day, everything to fall down? No, no. There's participation with God's word. In order to receive God's promises, you have to step out onto the water. You have to believe him. In order to see forgiveness in relationships, you have to repent and confess and forgive. You have to do the things that God's asked you to do to see healing in the things that God's given to you. 
In order to walk by faith, you have to take those steps of faith. He will do, God will do what only God can do, but he's always going to require you to do what he's asked you to do. Shouting's an actual command, isn't it, in this, in this text? I wonder if there were some of them that did not shout. Just think about it. How many people, yourself included, have you known over the years that read the text clearly, you know the commands, you're like, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I don't want to do that. I'll let somebody else do that. The Bible's very clear in its commands to worship the Lord, to sing to him, to, to love him, to confess him before men, to repent, to bless your neighbors, to bless your enemies. Did you know that when you bless your enemy, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it's like heaping burning coals on top of his head? Now, how many of you guys, when you read that when you were younger, you're like, yeah, let's burn that sucker up. I read it that way. You read the Proverbs, like, yeah, I'm going to pray for my enemy. I'm going to burn him off with love. Ah, you know. I didn't, Lord, forgive me. In that culture, if your fire went out, you would die. You couldn't cook. You couldn't stay warm. And so you would humble yourself and you would take a ceramic bowl and you would put it on top of your head. And you would walk to your neighbor's house a mile away or whatever and you'd say, yeah, my fire's out. Can you heap coals of fire on my head, please? Can you put, it, put the fire in the ceramic bowl and I'm going to walk it home so now I can live? And when you pray for your enemies and when you bless those who spitefully and persecute you and who are against you when you do that, it's like lighting their fire again. It's like blessing them, saving their lives. Why are people mean to you? Why are things difficult? Why are things hard? Because people's fires have gone out. Everyone's being quenched right now. Things are difficult. And there's so many things that God asks you who are believers right now in 2022 to do. And you're like, I don't want to do that. It's not important. It's not that big a deal. It's time to worship, time to give, time to serve, time to give him my first fruits. It's time to be soft. It's time to love. It's time to teach, time to pray. I just don't want to do these things. And God says, hey, try, if you just, 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 ah, ah, you know, shout. Can you imagine if literally just shouting cause those walls to come down and victory be theirs? How easy is that? So easy, yet they would have it some other way. Like, what's the battle plan? I've got my techniques and my things, and I've got ways to do this, you know? And I was like, how about you just shout? That sounds kind of silly, you know? Who's going to get the credit then? The Lord. And he wants us to obey him, to trust him. And the time that he does ask us to actually use our words I wonder if they did. Look at verse 15 again. Verse 16. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city, he goes on to give them instruction, shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent. Stop right there, eyes up here. You remember Rahab the harlot? We learned about her a few weeks ago. And she was the one when the messengers and the spies went in, hid them. And she gave them a good word and said, we're all afraid of you. We believe that you're going to win. That was all that they received. There was no military campaign established. All they went back to Joshua was, was with a good word of a woman of faith. And she said, hey, I just got this one request. Would you save me before you come back and destroy everyone else? And they said, if you put this scarlet cord in your window, we'll know that you're here and you will be saved. That scarlet cord, that red crimson fabric, again, pointing to putting your faith in Jesus. When judgment and condemnation comes to the world, if you cry out to the Lord, you too will be saved. How did this Rahab the harlot get saved? She hid the messengers in her home. And when you take God's word and you hide the message in your heart, and you say, I believe that. 
I live in a pagan world. I live in a corrupt society. I live in a nation that's gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But when I heard God's word, I believed it. I believe it. I heard God say it. That settles it. And you too shall be saved. The Bible declares simply, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. God's gonna judge the world. You know that, right? Our world is getting crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. And God has given to us patience and grace and mercy and ways and opportunities to be saved through putting faith in his son. Well, Joshua says, hey, when we take over and the walls come down, make sure and protect Rahab. That's the deal. Another warning, verse 18, pay attention to this. This will come up next time we're in Joshua. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse. Four times in one verse, he says the word accursed or curse. He's cursing a lot there. And he's warning the men and women of Israel when they go into Jericho, the things of Jericho, they're not okay. Everything in this pagan place is whack. Don't take it for yourself. It's accursed, it'll cause a curse, and you'll be cursed, and we'll all be cursed. Don't touch these things. Can I just remind you of sin? Okay, sin is bad, not because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. And when God says, don't do these certain things, it's because these certain things will poison you. They'll kill you. They'll take advantage of you. They'll take you hostage. They'll take you further, farther, and longer, and cost more than you ever wanted to bargain or pay for every single time, without question. Sin, it's not bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. And here, four times in one verse, he says, don't be cursed by taking the cursed things. Then you'll be cursed, and we're all gonna be cursed. Sorry to curse. By the way, he says it this way. He says that Israel, the camp of Israel, will be cursed and you'll trouble it. Pay attention, please. Your sin that you commit, the sin that you dabble with, the compromises that we sometimes fall for, it's not just about you. It never is. It always impacts the camp. It always impacts the community. It always impacts others. One of the biggest lies that Satan will ever tell you is that this doesn't hurt anybody else. It's just between you and, and you. <clears throat> not true. It's not the way it works. When it goes into your body, it impacts everything. And so may the Lord give us wisdom on these areas of compromise in our own life. May he give us victory over these. Well, there's a warning given. Look at verse 19, another instruction is given. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, they are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Stop right there, eyes up here. When you take over Jericho, don't touch the cursed things, the pagan things, the weird things, the sinful things. And when you come across the gold and all the valuable things that are kind of arbitrary, he said, those are for God and God alone. As we continue into our taking over the promised land, you'll be blessed there, Israelites, but the very first victory goes to the Lord. It's the first fruits. Jericho's all his. All of it goes into the storehouse of God, just as in your life, your first fruits, first energies, first victories are as to him. Verse 20, I love this. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Stop right there, eyes up here. Quick thought. Again, I've already mentioned this, though. Did everybody shout, and to what degree? Do you think there was anybody there when it came time to shouting was like this? You know? The command was clear. That doesn't mean that they're going to obey. I mean, God, you get thinking this through. Seven days into it, it's like, are you serious? This is the stupidest plan. This is so stupid. You know? Some people had courage and faith. Rawr! 
saw the William Wallaces, the leaders, the guys with the swords, the ones that heard it and believed it and settled it and they're cheering. Not everyone though, I guarantee responded the same way. I wanna be a man and I hope you wanna be you who responds to God's word and says, I believe it. No matter what, if you're not gonna shout as loud as me, that's not my problem. I'm gonna be shouting because I believe it to be true. I'm going to tell my mouth to do what God told it to do. Right now he said to shout, I'm gonna shout. I don't know how it went. We'll have to watch the DVD when we get there. Notice in verse 20, it also says that God gave them the city or that they took the city. And in verse two, it says that I've given you the city. Which one is it? Did God give them the city or did they take the city? The answer is yes, they did both. Let's finish up the chapter. Look at verse 21. Then they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as she, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in, brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all of the relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Stop right there, eyes up here. A few thoughts, and I wish I had more time to expand on this, but I'm just gonna say it as clearly as I can. This is a little harsh, isn't it? Every man, every woman, young and old, ox, donkey, and sheep, everything dies. Except Rahab and her family, her mom, her dad, her brothers, and everybody that's connected to her lives. But everyone else dies. Now, in your humanity, you have to ask some questions like, sounds pretty harsh, it's pretty intense. You know that's gonna be on CNN, right? You know this is gonna not, it's not gonna look good when the government you know, looks at this, this is gonna be bad. A few thoughts. Number one, we'll talk about the positive thoughts. I believe that this picture of Rahab being protected and her family of believers from judgment is a picture of the rapture. That when God comes to planet Earth, God forsaking, Christ rejecting, sinful world, planet Earth, and judges the planet like he promised he would, like he and only he must do, that those who put their faith in his plan will be saved. They'll be protected from the, from the wrath of God that is to come. I believe it's a picture of the rapture. You'll be protected. If you've hidden his message in your heart, you too shall be saved like Rahab. But the rest of the world in that day and in the days moving forward will suffer the judgment of God because they've rejected God. Now, just a few thoughts. These people, the Jerichoans, okay, just so you know, were pagans, evil, violent, and perverse. They had no intention of giving their lives over to God, living civilly with anybody else. They were murderous and carnal in all ways. Like somebody who had rabies and had no way of becoming better ever again needs to be put down. That's just the facts. And check this out, 400 years God allowed Jacob and his offspring to live in Egypt being raised up while the Canaanites had an opportunity to repent. You know what they didn't do in 400 years? Repent. And after 40 years walking in the wilderness before they took over the promised land, this was another opportunity for them to repent. And in 40 years, you know what they didn't do? Repent. And in seven days walking around the wall, seven days, they had an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I want to repent. You know what they didn't do in the seven days walking around? Repent. And so on the seventh day when judgment came, you need to understand this, believers. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He takes no pleasure in it. But judgment must come. It's God's responsibility to this world. And yet God with patience 
forbearance, mercy, and offering after offering and after offering will allow people to repent and to escape judgment. And let me just say this because we, we're kind of soft. I can't speak for everyone. But we, we really, by and large, don't like the idea of war at all. Because war is hell. War is killing. War is often unjust. It's usually not based on man's terms for any righteous reason. But from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible speaks about war, a spiritual war, a real war of truth and lies, light and darkness, life and death. It'll never not speak about war. And the thing that you need to be careful of as a man or a woman or a leader nowadays is, well, can't we all just get along? Not here. Not here we can't because there's only one truth. Jesus said there is no way into heaven except through me. There's no way into heaven except through my will and my words. And people who don't choose him will find themselves put away from him. Guys, a few more thoughts and we're done. I'm just gonna go into extra innings here. It's okay, it's just like overtime yesterday with the Vikings, just trust me. And Joshua spared Rahab, verse 25, the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. And so she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time saying, hey, cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest he shall set up in its gate. Stop right there, eyes up here. What a weird little prophecy promise. Joshua declares a curse over Jericho and says, if anybody ever rebuilds this, it's going to kill both of his boys. Now, historically, we know that somebody would rebuild Jericho a few years later, and it would kill both of his boys. It's recorded in the book of 1 Kings. Because when you choose to do things your way and disobey and kind of live your life the way you want outside of God's terms and directions, it's going to cause death in your life, and it's not going to go your way. Look at verse 27 and final thoughts on verse uh, chapter 6. It says, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. Isn't that kind of cool? Why did chapter six happen this way? Why all the difficulties? Why all the setbacks? Why all the temptations? Here's why. Because God wants to do something in your life just as he did through Joshua's life. Number one, he wants to exalt the Lord. Your life, your challenges, your difficulties, your obstacles right now, God is going to use your story to exalt his glory every single time. Why are you struggling right now? Why are you addicted to this thing? Why are you fighting? Why are you battling? Why are you single? Why are you divorced? Why did you experience this death? Why, Lord? Why is this happening? The Lord would say, hey, can I exalt myself in your life? Would you trust me? Keep walking. Feels like I'm just going in circles, Lord. Don't give up. Have courage. Have endurance. Have patience. And number two, not just so that the Lord would be exalted, but that so that the body would be edified. The only way to get stronger, the only way to get tougher, the only way to get more mature is to continue walking with God faithfully in the difficult times. And the last reason, this is probably for me one of the most exciting reasons and one of the most redeemable, because I believe God's going to be exalted no matter what, I believe that I'm going to be built up and edified no matter what. But did you know that God is going to use your life to evangelize the lost? There are people right now, you have faith. I hope you have faith. I hope you're comfortable in your faith in Jesus Christ right now. You're saved, you're forgiven, you're going to heaven. You might have a mortgage, you might have debt, you might have a bad bill of health, you might have all kinds of issues going on, but if you're saved, you're the richest person in the world. Nothing can be taken from you. And the rest of the world that doesn't have Jesus as their savior, they have you as a friend, as a coworker, as a dad or a brother, as a, as a mom or a dad, they have, they have you. And God wants to use all your challenges right now to prove that he is real. People are watching you. 
More so now than in any other generation. They're watching your Facebook. They're watching your life. They're watching how you handle situations. And God says, I want to evangelize the lost, Luke. I want to do this. Joshua's fame spread throughout all of the world in this time. Why would this happen? Because God loves people and he wants people to be saved. And the challenges that you're going through, this is so important, especially for our church right now, that we trust the Lord that he wants to do more, not just for us so we have a church and move up on the hill. It's not about us. You know that, right? It's not about us. Do you know that? Your life's not about you. You're good. You have Jesus? Oh, you're good. You're good. But the people who don't have Jesus yet, God will allow your life to be a witness, a living testimony. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. And we ask, Lord, that you would anoint and you would equip, Lord, South Beach Church to be men and women who know your word, who respond to it, Lord, who let you lead us and let you, Lord, do in our lives what only you can do for your glory and for others' good. And would you indeed, Lord, be glorified in this place? Would that be, Lord, the thing that makes us most excited, Lord, every single day, every single challenge? Oh, maybe the Lord can be glorified in this. But it feels like we're down 36 to nothing. Yeah, I know. Let's see what the Lord does. Let's see what the Lord can do. And you know what? In this time of difficulty, let's let the Lord have his way. Let's, let's become stronger. Let's be built up. Let's be bodybuilders, spiritually. And let's hope that our lives are used as a witness to a people that don't yet know Jesus. So Father, would you anoint us and bless us? Would you fight our battles? We trust you. And we all repent, Lord, of our silliness, of our words that we speak so freely and quickly and don't realize the damage that they can do. Again, would you make us a people that tames our tongue like a horse is led by a small bridle and a ship by a small rudder. May we too, Lord, use our words to shout your praise, to shout your glory to shout the victory that you've given to us. We love you so much. Bless us, Lord. Help us have a wonderful week, Lord. Help us to also anticipate, Lord, coming back on New uh, Christmas Eve, Lord, to celebrate the birth of Jesus and all that he brings to our lives. Bless us for the rest of our afternoon. We give our lives to you. Bless the 11 a.m. too as they're coming in looking for parking spots right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. amen and amen. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. We'll see you back here at some of our events this week as well as on Christmas Eve. Grab some oranges. If you want to make a donation, that's up to you. You can do so online. Scan the QR code. Talk to Pastor Adam or Pastor Toby on the way out. I love you guys. God bless you. You're dismissed.